0: And I'm now scared of birds. Oh, you should be. I guess so. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought they might not be real, but I guess they're murderous and very real. What, trace? No, birds. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Incredible.
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Steam Powered Movies. I am one of your hosts. My name is Mike.
1: I am dana frederick i am a steampunk fantasy author and i am
0: disgruntled oh wow
1: i've been waiting to talk about this for days
0: wow strong strong
1: it's all all coming out now
0: should we tell people what we're talking about
1: strap in guys
0: we are talking about the 2018 film mortal engines directed by christian rivers uh a little did you know that uh this movie has a connection to one of the other movies that we have previously covered on this podcast. Oh really? Yes. What was that? So this is like the second feature length film directed by this director, Christian Rivers. His first feature length film starred uh the guy who played Dr. Jekyll in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: Oh that guy again. Yeah. And he was in um he was in Stardust as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, he, he was. He keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, I you think know. maybe
1: he has a little bit of a proclivity for steampunk, even Perhaps. if he doesn't know it. Well, he, he keeps was, coming back. He
0: wasn't in this film, but he was in the other film by this directed by this director.
1: Oh, I see.
0: Which we're talking about today, which is Mortal Engines on this podcast, which is called Steam Powered Movies, where me, Mike, and Dana also with me we talk about (laughs) steampunk films after we watch them that's the order of things you sound
1: like a bad liar trying to convince everyone (laughs) that i'm definitely here and not i don't know a head in a jar
0: and this podcast is real not in your imagination (laughs) it's happening right now (laughs) so okay here we go we're talking about mortal engines uh A young adult fantasy film based on a book. Young adult fantasy. Young adult steampunk fantasy. Steampunk, yes. Well, I don't
1: don't even know if it's really fantasy. It's definitely hard steampunk, though.
0: Yeah, when I looked it up on IMDb, this film, it said, you might also like Valerian, Alita, Battle Angel, Ender's Game, John Carter, Ready Player One. Are you sensing a theme? Yeah,
1: no, there's definitely some strong sci-fi themes, but also some like strong, like, they tried really hard themes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they did try really hard. They made a two-hour movie based on a steampunk novel. And Dana, what are your initial thoughts on Mortal Engines? Here we go.
1: (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing. I read the book over the last couple of days. Okay. And I have to say, I did not enjoy it. Oh, no. At all. I did not enjoy the book at all. Coming strong. And then I have to say, I actually enjoyed the film far more but we're starting with a low bar of having okay not enjoyed the book okay at all okay all right that's fair that's fair so i'm not sure like <laughs> i don't know what that says for the movie <laughs> It's, it's a it's a weird thing. Like if you've only dated like really, really bad dudes and then you meet like a halfway decent guy and you're like, he's great. It's kind of like that.
0: Maybe like the main character in the story where she hadn't met anyone that liked her. And then the first guy she meets is like, I love you. OK, I
1: have I have so many, so many thoughts about all of that. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be a it's going to be a high energy podcast.
0: Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice. Well, we had watched this movie before we did this. Is the second time we watched it we watched it together a few years ago when it came out because we were like hey cool steampunky sci-fi movie we like sci-fi stuff let's Mm -hmm. see if it's any good i don't think we liked it the first time
1: i didn't really like it and i still have a lot of the same feelings about it but like i said having compared it to the book i like it better now
0: (laughs) okay i I will say that uh i liked it better this time Mm mm-hmm I enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that had to do with the quantity of alcohol I was consuming we while watching it this time. We did have some
1: strong drinks tonight. They were
0: strong drinks. But, like, the first few minutes of this movie start, and I'm like, kind of dope.
1: Yeah, no, the, the the beginning is definitely the strongest part. It's very cool.
0: It, I mean, it comes in kind of the most steampunk at the start. So, yeah. let's talk about that. Like, why are we talking about this movie? How Like, what's steampunk about it? uh basically steam-powered cities on treads
1: yeah and we should say really quick okay for anybody who doesn't know what is steampunk
0: sure i mean if you listen to this podcast before you know but welcome any new listeners indeed dana define steampunk for us
1: so i basically think of steampunk as like victorian ish sci-fi like you have basically victorian level technology but with artistic license taken maybe a bit of extrapolation from those initial steam powered energy sources
0: right which Which in this in this one in the very beginning we see coal powered steam engines that are just everything
1: powered they just burn everything and eat it
0: right right that are powering these like massive uh like tread bearing vehicles that are the size of cities and they are basically cities on wheels slash treads and
1: it's an extremely cool concept i must say
0: yeah it, it's really intriguing in the beginning like we start with our main character on this city it's kind of just chilling out and then they're like there's a predator city which is a pretty cool term yeah love it
1: as well as um municipal darwinism
0: yes i wrote that down too <laughs> kind of like they they bring it up in the voiceover in the beginning that it's like the survival of the fittest but now it's on the city-wide level yeah so you've got these like larger hunting cities chasing down these smaller cities it's the small city we start on like breaks apart into like six or seven different pieces going different directions
1: and not only that but it, i mean visually speaking this film is extremely cool like the visuals are beautiful if you don't Meh, watch it for any at, other at reason
0: parts yeah yeah, yeah. i
1: know i i'm gonna disagree with you like Overall, like I'm not gonna get into like nitty gritty of like CG or whatever. Just, sure. Like, on the whole, visually, it's very cool. They're doing a lot of interesting stuff, especially with the mechanics of the cities, like the way that when uh we have the opening scene and we're seeing Salt Hook is the name of the little uh mining town. Okay. That's gonna be eaten. Uh, you see it like literally of eaten it folding away. And that's so neat. Yeah. Like one of the fun things that I love about steampunk and that I like to play with is like things that collapse and like expand and like can kind of just tr- almost transformer, like yeah. transformers more than meets the eye.
0: <laughs> and yeah, we definitely see that uh, first with like the city that breaks into smaller cities and little parts like fold and tuck away. Mm-hmm. And then we see it with the last little piece of that city that the little engine can't really start. And they try to run away, but they don't go side to side for some reason. They go straight, just like every chase sequence I in don't a movie. Know. Why don't you go sideways? Just go sideways. But anyway. Always zig and zag. Yep, yeah, go zig and zag. Uh, they're shooting for the gap in the mountains that the big city can't fit through, which I guess that's something. Uh, but the big city like harpoons them and literally opens up its mouth. It has these like mechanical jaws that like open up and eat the smaller city yeah it's 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 really cool you, you
1: see later on like it is huge like chainsaws basically come down and like tear it to pieces and it's used for fuel it's a really really interesting concept so like and i i am in love with the opening scenes of this film like it's extremely cool they do a lot of exposition in a very short amount of time um and what's funny is okay so Digressing a little bit, but it is related. Sure. So sure. when I was when I was reading the book, I, li- I uh, read it on audio and like I'm hearing the descriptions and everything. I was like, well, I can see why. Because I remembered the film was kind of kind of a lot very fast mm-hmm. and maybe like didn't go over things as well as I would have liked. <laughs> and so while I was listening to the book, I was thinking like, well, I mean, it's kind of Lord of the Rings level storytelling like it's a big story with a lot of characters and a lot yes. of ground is covered and then the opening credits of the film come up and it's a wingnut films who are responsible for the Lord of the Rings films and i was like oh wait i mean um produced by peter mind. jackson he's yeah, one produced, of the producers exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> i was like okay so like oh no maybe not but having now watched the entire entire film again and having now realized that like i misremembered certain things from years ago when mm-hmm. we first watched it That actually, they do a better job than I was initially remembering giving them credit for, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, there was definitely a lot happening, Mm -hmm. a lot of characters, a lot of different factions. I remember at one point thinking, kind of writing down like, man, there's so many storylines and characters Mm -hmm. and settings. This could be more than one movie. This could probably be a trilogy Mm -hmm. if they wanted to really flesh out like the different parts of the world and let mm-hmm. us get to know the different characters it it might be better that way i i as it is uh, uh, overall it it felt a bit rushed to me i think we'll, we'll probably get into that more a little mm-hmm. bit later uh but i want to talk a little more about i like, should
1: just say like while you're talking about that there were at least four individual povs in the telling of the book
0: oh okay it's a
1: big book
0: Wow, yeah, because in this, the movie, we basically just follow Tom, mm-hmm. and then uh, Hester, once they team up, they're basically the POV for the the movie for the entire time. Right. Um, but a little bit talking about the technology, right, starting with the, the steampunk nests with the steam-powered... Interesting that this one, compared to some of the other films that we've covered so far, mm-hmm. they were actually set in the Victorian era, yeah, right. The origination of steam power technology, whereas this goes to the very far future.
1: it's several thousand years in the future.
0: I don't think they actually say how they much
1: don't i'm I'm pulling this from the book. I am doing the thing where like we kind of i at least I kind of like conflate knowing things from the book and pulling them into this podcast,
0: fair enough because the movie doesn't address it. The movie just calls. The people of our time frame, the 21st century, the ancients. Right. Um, whose deities include uh, minions.
1: Actually, <laughs> um, actually, push up my glasses here. So in the book, I have I have a headcanon about oh, this. No. In the book, the uh the 21st century deities were Pluto and Mickey but i have a feeling oh. disney was too expensive to license
0: <laughs> and oh, so they maybe. licensed the
1: minions instead
0: yeah i mean insert joke here it kind of works depending on what generation you're shooting for mm-hmm. with some of the other jokes i thought it was a little bit curious i'm like what generation are they aiming this at because they had the minions thing they had the twinkie reference and then uh what was the other thing oh There was an eBay reference.
1: Oh, was there? I didn't get the eBay one.
0: Yes. Okay. So we're going to flash like forward in the movie a bit. The scene where Tom and Hester are being auctioned off Mm -hmm. as slaves, Mm -hmm. we presume, or maybe to be made into meat. That's kind of hinted at. That was a
1: little sus. Like, I definitely got stronger vibes that they are going to be human sausages.
0: At least one of them One of the buyers was a maker of sausages. Right. So, yeah. Who knows what the other buyers were buying for? yeah. uh, It's not. It's a lot. Yeah. We don't need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But then when our Asian outlaw. uh, Anna Anna Fang. Anna Fang. I want
1: to be like her when I grow up.
0: Pretty much the coolest character in this entire movie. Oh, she's so
1: good. I'm so Oh, we're going to spoil. We should just tell you all right now the movie is going to be spoiled pause this podcast go watch the film if you don't want it spoiled i'll wait
0: yeah but let's carry on so anyway back to the ebay reference so when anna comes in and bids like fifty thousand or something crazy and Mm -hmm. then has a little talk with the auctioneer and he's threatening her because there's a price on her head and then she's like how about we settle this now with buy it now and then shoots him in the face
1: Oh, is that, is that an, oh, okay. I'm
0: pretty sure because it's an auction and then she says, buy it now. Uh It's an eBay reference. Oh, that's funny. So Twinkies, eBay, Minions.
1: I definitely think they were, I mean, the, the target audience is in this case, like YA, like, but also YA, at least in the book world, spans from ages like 13 to 35, Okay. like honestly, some of the biggest YA readers are like between 30 and 35 or and and kind of all in there. But anyway, I think they're definitely aiming at that demographic and also predominantly female um, are Mm -hmm. YA readers. As far as the film, I think they were going for like a broader audience.
0: Yeah. So maybe they kind of hit every generation there with some of the joke references. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So back to talking about when it's set. They did the thing where this is post apocalypse mm-hmm. and now the super futuristic technology is from the past, but technology has kind of reset, so we're we're back to steam power as being the predominant form of powering things and mm-hmm. getting around, yeah, instead of being set in Victorian, like we're super future, but with a reset of the technology
1: i I do actually really like that about this story. I will say the world building of the book and the film is extremely interesting because they kind of cobble together tech from everywhere. Like steam power is actually really basic because like you burn a fuel, you boil water, it creates steam, steam provides the power. Like Mm -hmm. it's really, really mechanical and basic, but they also have like, they have radios and stuff. I don't know how radios work, but like I think basic radios are like fairly, I mean, easy. So, but been then around they're talking, for a long time, yeah. yeah. But then, if we're talking like internet and the stuff that kind of seems like magic nowadays, like the Wi Fi is basically just magic. Let's be <laughs> honest, <laughs> you can't tell me otherwise. Like, that's, yeah, sure. that's harder,
0: yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And they didn't have any of that, they didn't have like long f- distance communication. Um, uh, the even the flying things were like
1: the airships,
0: airships, yeah, yeah, which is very steampunk oh i love and it alternate universe you know it's an alternate universe when there was zeppelins
1: it's always true yeah
0: yeah uh so yeah cool world building stuff for sure mm-hmm. uh definitely one of my favorite things about this and the thing i enjoyed
1: mm-hmm.
0: then we talk about the story mm-hmm. the story of this film which to me is set off by a villain just being villainous for no reason Mm-hmm. The part where he kicks Tom off of the, the ledge when he didn't have to do that. He, Tom told him the name Hester Shaw and he was like, you know too much, you have to die.
1: At least he was consistent, though, because he sank an entire prison for having na- like heard the name Hester Shaw. True. Like this dude, like that's his line. If you know her name, I will destroy you. So he has like a strong, for lack of a better word, like code of ethics. You know this name? I will destroy you.
0: Done. But he was like a leader of their society. Mm -hmm. Why didn't he just lie to people and be like, it's not important. Don't listen to the crazy assassin being or the crazy girl who stabbed me. Just tell Tom, I don't know what she was talking about.
1: Like you feel like the, the power of gaslighting will be strong enough absolutely i mean you're you're probably not wrong but you know he's he's very much a completionist clearly (laughs) where he's like no no we're not gonna take any chances just death which i actually like that was a change from the book and i'm totally fine with it like i think it worked
0: i don't know but like in the very beginning when tom first meets elrond or whatever his name is in this movie his name is
1: um valentine
0: Right, last name Valentine, mm-hmm. I guess. Or maybe his first name. No,
1: uh, last name Valentine.
0: Because his daughter
1: is Catherine Valentine.
0: <laughs> that's right. But Tom, like, idolizes him and is trying to, like, impress him with his toaster knowledge.
1: Look at my, look at my toaster stuff. I'm so smart about toasters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which that moment felt like very Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're going to have our characters know stuff about the 1990s and or the 80s or whatever. And that's going to be our cool inside joke to the modern audience. But yeah, I think Tom would have trusted him. He already trusted him.
1: I know what you mean.
0: It was unnecessary, and that kicked off the entire plot. Uh huh. Was Tom being sent off into the wasteland with Hester. The Outlands. The Outlands. Uh huh. The Wasteland Outlands.
1: It's kind of the same, yeah.
0: And then we proceed to what I wrote down as Deus ex machina the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of true because the god is essentially in the machine although medusa despite greek mythology standards was not a god but i see what you're getting at
0: yeah from that point on everything happens exactly when it needs to happen Mm -hmm. for our heroes to survive and make it to the next stage right and that kind of doesn't really do it for me as far as storytelling Uh uh-huh for it to be that level of coincidences
1: convenient
0: yes convenient coincidences i need there to actually be like some magic in the world like maybe a prophecy or the power of destiny introduced at some point Uh instead of it just happening randomly you know what i I mean mean,
1: i know what you mean it all does stitch together very neatly Mm mm-hmm I don't know. Maybe maybe the book lowered my standards so much that I'm like, this is fine. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no.
1: Oh, I'm telling you, I did not enjoy that.
0: OK, so so what was so bad about the book or like what was different about the book? Because we just watched the movie and hopefully anyone listening also just watched the movie to suffer through with us. What, what was different about it?
1: OK, so I'm I'm going to kind of mix up our whole process and format a little bit because i am going to touch on some of my least favorite things go for it okay so like i said um world building wise excellent like the world building in the book is brilliant and i think that the movie carried that through as well
0: so very similar
1: oh super similar yeah
0: you had like the Outlands and Don't Go South and you had like the marauding bands of The people. Don't Go South thing
1: didn't really exist in the book. Okay. It was definitely like a function of the film so that things happened the way they needed to happen, which, okay, fine. Um, The thing in the book that really annoyed me and this is extremely hashtag written by a dude, mm. is that like emotions are very flat. I didn't find it to be terribly emotionally deep and those emotions that did try to dig deep i felt like really missed the mark Mm -hmm. also every single female character in the book is couched in how she looks
0: some kind of
1: physical attribute of hers and not only is this extremely tired it is sexist. And now, okay, we're going to we're going to uh start a new segment that will not always be recurring but it's happening today.
0: Okay, I'm I'm very curious. You're springing this on me too. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right, ladies, gents and gentle dems, please sit down, make yourselves comfortable, and welcome to Dana's Aggressive Positivity Corner.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, hit him so with he- it. Here's
1: the thing. Okay, so in the movie Hester had scars on her face They kind of went from like her cheek down to her chin Mm -hmm. In the book it's Way worse where like her She's basically like missing a whole eye And like part of her nose And my gosh it's Such a big freaking deal Mm -hmm. Is made about How ugly she Is and they did this in the film Mm. A lot too and okay So here's the thing as someone Who has scars and who has like at one point in her life internalized what society says about scars where like they're a thing to be like seen as repulsive and a thing mm-hmm. to be disgusted by and like internalize that as someone who has now learned to love herself and what those scars represent. I'm here to tell anyone out there who has also internalized these things the way that I did that. You know what your scars bloody well mean that you survived And that is a beautiful thing all by itself. I need you to hold that in your heart and just know that you are strong because you survived. And all of this BS, I'm trying so hard not to swear. (laughs) (laughs) All of this BS about like, oh, scars, Mm, it's so ugly. Mm, mm, mm." Shut up. Like it's so much BS. You are so strong. I am so proud of you for surviving. And you need to know that you are beautiful as well as tough. Thank you very much. This has been Dana's Aggressive Positivity Corner.
0: So when you see someone's scars, you're like, holy crap, I don't want to know, like, what you defeated.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, you maybe beat death. You maybe, like, survived a horribly painful thing. I'm so proud of you. Like, you went through, whether it was, like, emotional or physical or emotional, whatever battles, and you came through the other side, and I'm so freaking proud of you. All right. Yeah.
0: So... It's just,
1: it's a tired trope. And like, yes, they do the thing. We're like, oh my gosh, actually it turns out that it doesn't really matter how people look. It's just their personality. What? This is such a tired <laughs> trope. I'm so over it. We are beyond this. It just, it needs to not be a thing anymore. We just need to like move the, just move along.
0: Agreed, agreed. But can we talk about a positive physical attribute? Did they describe in the book Anna Fang as having the coolest hair? I mean, she had the
1: coolest hair on the planet. They did not. Um, instead, of her description included the fact that she has red teeth, which okay. is from like a, a herb that she chews. Um, and it helps with like um air sickness, essentially. It's kind of described in mm. the same way as like seasickness, but because they're in the air, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Not really fleshed out in the movie.
1: No, no, that's not that's not addressed at all. Um, I don't think she
0: had red teeth. I didn't notice it anyway.
1: She didn't in the film. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like a little throwaway thing in the book. It was just some cool like world building or whatever. But in
0: case instead they give her fantastic hair.
1: I mean, she had the coolest hair ever. I was not going to lie. I was like, how can I do that with my hair? (laughs) Not going to lie. I was like trying to think of a way to do it.
0: (laughs) You probably can't, but that's okay. I
1: mean, with enough hairspray, anything is possible.
0: Uh, All right. You go for it then. (laughs) You go for it.
1: So, yeah. Oh, also fun fact about Anna Fang, who, like I said, I want to be like when I grow up, Um, in the book. And they say it one time during the movie. Okay. It's like a little bitty, like, super fast line, but her nickname is The Windflower.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh,
1: like, um, Captain Cora says it, like, when they're, like, kind of going off to battle, and it's just sort of in the middle of a sentence, and you really have to know what you're looking for to catch it. Because I mm-hmm. was waiting. I was like, where's your cool nickname?
0: <laughs> so you mentioned captain cora and we've got anna mm-hmm. sort of that whole um troop of characters yeah from behind the wall the anti-traction league the anti-traction league kind of that whole entire cast of characters in the movie just gets thrown in for like the last 30 minutes yeah we, oh like, they're a
1: huge part in the book
0: i i figured that they did we barely meet them in the movie i didn't catch any of their names except anna's because they said it a couple times near the end uh-huh so for me, when they had that final battle, mm-hmm. a lot of that fell flat because people were like sacrificing themselves and giving it all for the cause. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Why do I care? I know.
1: And like, this is, this is such a hard part where, cause I missed so much of that too. The first time we watched it, like I remember the first time I was like, I don't, I don't know so much of what is going on. I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And that, that's such a hard thing when you do adapt a book. Cause like, my gosh, there is so much in this book to adapt that like i think they i think peter jackson like he really tried hard to do it justice but i just don't know that there was enough time
0: no for sure which is why i was thinking if you really wanted to tell this story fully and effectively it would have to be at least two movies.
1: Unlike what they did with The Hobbit, where they made The Hobbit into three movies. Right. <laughs> That's it, It's not a, like an equal equation. It doesn't work this way like always with right. all books to movies. I just want to make that clear.
0: Or maybe this should have been like a 10-episode Netflix series. Oh, there
1: we go. That's something. Cause, That's and I, it. I also want to say, I don't know if Philip Reeve was involved at all in the production of this. I didn't see his name anywhere mm-hmm. except in like based on the book by philip reeve in the very beginning i just have to say anytime neil gaiman has been involved with the production of something like with good omens or philip pullman with the production of his dark materials it's been excellent yeah it's been really good like his dark materials re-destroyed me the same way that the books initially did and i haven't been able to go back yet but i need to catch up on that series
0: yeah yeah yeah. No, I think this would have worked really well as like a 10 episode series.
1: No, you're right. On some I think... sort
0: of streamer. You could have had the first episode where we get to know our main characters and how they're at odds and maybe learn some of the backstory a little bit instead of having it just be in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Maybe develop the, the relationship between Hester and Tom mm-hmm. more, which in the film, to me, I wrote it down that like it seemed very forced in the beginning they were thrown together she was like i would have left you and he was like looking after her Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like their connection in the beginning was very earned it was kind Mm -hmm. of just the movie the plot needs them to be together but by the end they had been through enough together. Sure. It kind of works at the end, but the beginning was very like contrived, I felt like.
1: I think that could have been helped in one way, a simple way. So in the book, she gets shot in the leg during her attack on Valentine.
0: Okay. And then
1: so she is dependent on Tom from the get-go.
0: Ah. And I think that would have helped a lot. Yeah, because the way the movie did it. Mm-hmm. They both just kind of get dumped out into the Outlands. And they're all
1: fine, basically.
0: She gets shot in the leg while they're escaping the Marauders.
1: Right. And then immediately are captured by, um, I forget their name, but the yeah. ones who basically try to sell them into slavery.
0: Yes. They seem like they're being helpful, but mm-hmm. as soon as they walked into the room, I was like, that's going to be a locked door they mm-hmm. can't get out of. Yeah. <laughs> Saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think. Their relationship kind of works by the end. It's not that bad, but a lot of the other characters don't really get a lot of time to shine or for us to get to know them. Mm -hmm. Like Shrike. Oh
1: boy, Shrike's Shrike's whole story is very interesting.
0: I think that if it was a 10 episode series, that would have been a whole episode dedicated to Shrike.
1: Yeah. Just about him.
0: And then he would have been sprinkled in through the other episodes as well. But Mm -hmm. we would have gotten to know him. Like, really well in that.
1: Can I share with you a fun fact about his name? Sure. Okay, so Shrike is the name of a group of birds, and they are also called Butcher Birds because they impale their prey on thorns. Oh. And, like, I just think that's such a cool name.
0: I'm, I'm afraid of these birds.
1: Oh, um, like I said, they're called Butcher Birds for a reason. It's extremely cool. They
0: impale their prey on thorns? Yeah. What? Yeah,
1: even bird fact. Wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now scared of birds. Oh, you should be. I guess so. <laughs> I I mean I thought they might not be real, but I guess they're murderous and very real. What strikes? No, birds.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> birds are all just an illusion. It's a government conspiracy.
0: Hey, it might be. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but strike is cool.
1: Yeah, strike is very cool.
0: And it's a little bit I, th- I think it works how they turn it around where Hugo Weaving thinks, oh, this Hunter is going to go kill Hester. Oh Yeah, totally. And then you find out later it's that strike is yes, going to kill her so that they can be together Only as automatons. T- temporarily. It's sort of sweet. Maybe if they did more with it, is it sweet in the book? I, I mean, guess? It's, it's
1: kind of sweet. And actually I, I like it a little bit better the way they did in the book. It's pretty close though. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially like he did have this plan to turn her into like a an undead a, resurrected man That's a resurrected person yeah. yeah and she was on board like she was just like in the film like she was on board with it
0: um and she was because of her pain and suffering oh and yeah like she had why lived not a life that she wanted to forget yeah but we don't get to really spend enough time to get that right we don't really know who she is yeah,
1: yeah. and so she was She was a fan but it it wasn't quite the same way. Like he definitely saw her and I think they they kind of tried to get this through the film, but I don't think it came through quite as much. Um, like as a daughter, kind right. of thing. And he didn't chase her because she broke a promise. Like he actually chased her in kind of a weird parental way, actually, which also works where okay. like she had told him like i'm gonna go kill valentine and he's like okay and then he ends up following her because he kind of wants to see how she does again kind of like a proud parent Aww. but in like a horrible murderous way <laughs> and then like in, in the book actually she's like was it a test did i pass and Aww. they never really answer that but like shrike is definitely like was like in in his pov because he's one of the povs that we get like he's like he's proud of her and it's like oh that's kind of sweet in a horrible way
0: oh interesting yeah (laughs) yeah getting his pov would definitely be be interesting
1: yeah like it honestly the thing i one of the things i don't like about the book besides the fact that a hashtag written by a dude um -hmm. those problems it's so dark it's so dark and like it it, it kind of, in, to me anyway, goes past gritty and it sort of breaks a couple of cardinal rules of YA, one of which is that one of the things about YA is you always leave people with hope and mm-hmm. there is no hope left at the end of that book. Oh, no. Everybody dies just about. And in fact, they kill the dog there's a dog in the book you spend time with the dog you love the dog and then they kill the dog
0: well that's how you know they're bad people
1: it's it's really bad i was at that point i was like i am tired of this book and i can't wait for it to be over oh no
0: (laughs) yeah fun fact for everyone out there how to lose dana kill a dog in your story
1: full disclosure and please don't hate me i'm not trying to be a hypocrite i have killed a dog in a book I know.
0: I'm sorry.
1: And okay. I gave her a look. That that was the reaction I gave her a look. She gave me a hard look. I would never do that again. I was a younger writer, and while I think my reasons are good, I think now looking back, it was it was too much. It's too dark. I don't write I don't write books that dark now.
0: Okay. It's a choice. It it was a choice.
1: I'm never gonna make that choice again. I I want to. I don't want to say never, but like I'm probably never gonna make that choice again. Like I know myself better as a writer now, and like it's just it's too much. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we digress. Um right. Speaking of digressions, I'm gonna use this opportunity to digress in a completely opposite direction. All right, do one, it. One thing about the uh, actor who played Hester, Hera Hilmar is her name. Okay. She is very much how I envision Lenore in my Broken Gears books. Oh, okay. Very, very much so fun fact there. All right,
0: future casting notes. Yeah. So, I have a few things mm-hmm. that maybe we'll get to some of our just bullet point favorite and least favorite things mm-hmm. about this film. Uh some of my I don't know if they're favorite or least favorite were some of what I thought were ridiculous things Go in on. the first hour of the movie. Okay. Uh one of them obviously when Hugo Weaving like goes bad he goes super bad for no reason.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Then the then there's the trope of, oh, but someone saw it and knows the secret. Mm-hmm. And then he slips up and says the name Hester Shaw to his daughter for no reason. I thought that was pretty wild. And during that whole sequence, I wrote down, are there no adults? <laughs> because there's all these teenagers that are handling the Mike. historical artifacts and the the future past technology. And spying on the bad guy and stuff. That's
1: also kind of a keystone of YA. Is that, like, <laughs> all of the adults are mysteriously absent. Like, we do away <laughs> with the adults one way or another.
0: But we don't know why. Where do they all go? Mm-hmm. They talk about Tom's parents being, oh, they were wonderful people. Oh, they were dead. But no, they're dead. Yeah, but they're dead. In some horrible accident.
1: It's the the big tilt.
0: Oh, right, which right. Which,
1: honestly, is kind again another Again, the world building is really cool. Like, it's a cool world building thing that, like... This is a natural disaster that can happen when you have mobile cities. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: a thing I thought was funny was from the very beginning: the big predator city uh-huh. is British, uh-huh. uh, uh, because of course it is. The world resets, and Britain becomes the conqueror of all worlds.
1: I mean, there are other some there are some other really big cities that we don't get to see, and it was funny because as I was reading it, I started conflating scenes from the book from scenes that didn't actually happen in the movie but i was thinking they happened and i think it's just because of my vivid imagination like i was imagining them happening Mm -hmm. in the movie setting like i completely invented a scene in the film oh really fully
0: wow although i put what happened i put
1: actors in that like are not in this film (laughs) (laughs) so in the book actually there is a scene where um the historians are standing up against the engineers because the engineers are kind of pulling a, a bit of a coup mm-hmm. on the, um, just like on the city in general,
0: right? And which in the movie happens at the end, basically. It, it sort
1: of does. But we don't really see it. We hear about it in passing. Mm-hmm. So, but in the book, um, well, they the, do
0: like kill the leader of the city, the mayor. Oh yeah, the mayor. We see that. No, no, yeah. no. But
1: that that didn't happen in the book. So that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Like
0: so, a different coup. A bunch
1: of engineers come to the museum. Because like the historians are up to something to try and stop the engineers from doing what they're doing and helping Kate and stuff with what she's doing. And they like gather up all of these um weapons from throughout the ages that they happen to have in exhibits. So there's like a cannon from old timey wars. There okay. are guns. There's like some like, I don't know, like 22nd century like ray guns or something. <laughs> what? Like just this whole collection they're all like wearing armor from through the ages and stuff it sounds extremely cool and in my head i invented a movie scene like i said starring people who did not star in this movie like do you remember the the old guy from the fifth element the guy who was like the head monk
0: oh yeah i put
1: him in the scene in my head yeah yeah yeah. so like i put him in the scene and from alien
0: can't remember his name but i don't yeah. remember his name either yeah
1: but like and i envisioned this whole scene that did not actually happen in the movie but i invented it in my head
0: that's kind of incredible i
1: know like it It was kind of funny just the way that it all kind of conflated and then we watched and i was like oh wait no that never actually happened i made <laughs> that up
0: yep you just invented a scene with ian Holm in it
1: i really wanted that to happen i'm not gonna
0: lie <laughs> it sounds great yeah Maybe you should have directed an episode of the series that was on Netflix. I would Netflix. have
1: loved to in this pretend <laughs> series we've created.
0: Right. Our, our headcanon is going to be this like better property that exists in oh, our, our head Oh, our headcanon
1: is going to be amazing. <laughs> so
0: much better than the actual film or book.
1: I mean, again, there, I didn't hate everything about the movie. I actually enjoyed the movie a lot, but that might have just been because I really didn't like the book. Yeah. I will say, too, the the ending of the film was much stronger in my opinion than the ending of the book like oh really kate had like a whole scene in the book and i felt who like who is
0: kate again you keep saying kate oh
1: she's she's the blonde
0: oh the daughter of valentine's daughter valentine got yeah. it yeah. so
1: like in the book she had this whole this whole scene and it the rug kind of got pulled out from under her um because in the end it's not her own actions that cause her to like help save the day. It's Mm -hmm. all kind of accidental. i was really pissed off about that too.
0: Oh, interesting. Like,
1: cause I, I don't like a passive ending. Right. Like if you're going to do something, do it. Like even, even if it's like mildly accidental, like I think that's better than like what happened with her. I don't know. It just, it just sort of, Sort of so in me. the
0: book, was she like part of the cheering crowds as the city like attacked everything in sight?
1: You know, it's interesting because we do see that evolution in the characters where in the very beginning, they're like, yeah, a catch, a catch. They're so excited. Da, 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 da. It's amazing. And then they like all realize like this is actually kind of awful.
0: Yeah, it's, it is awful. Yeah, it's really awful, especially mm-hmm. because I wrote my notes here. It seems like the anti-tractionists are guilty of the crime of sitting behind a wall and trying to live peacefully in one place right yeah that's their crime but that's actually
1: a thing like that's disgust. it's like oh my gosh it's like unnatural to do that like what? the way they talk about it and it is very much that thing of like any culture that's different than us is obviously like backwards and dumb mm-hmm. and like again i do feel like this trope is a little bit tired
0: but at least you're saying that in the book they established that as like a mindset of the people. That it's they, very much a mindset. That they knew about the lifestyle of the anti tractionists and they uh-huh. detested it for whatever stupid reason. But at least it was established. In mm-hmm. the movie it was just they're the anti tractionists. And in my head, in the beginning, it's like, oh, well, they must be like terrorists. They must be coming after you or something. No, they're just sitting behind a wall trying to live.
1: In the book, they, they do commit some light like, acts of terrorism. They,
0: okay. They but sank they another city. But none of that is shown either in no, the movie. I know, we don't know, see any of it.
1: Again, it's hard because they, they packed so much into two hours. They
0: needed to have like an episode and a half dedicated to that at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also found it kind of funny and anti-funny that in future reset of the world timeline, Britain gets a weapon of mass destruction and immediately attacks Asia <laughs> some kind of commentary in there
1: I I know I know what you mean like
0: history repeating itself I,
1: I felt a little bit too of like we don't go south maybe some commentary happening there on like you know the southern states like how they all wanted to keep slavery and now they're now we don't go south
0: huh maybe i i mean i am maybe fully
1: i'm stretching like that may not be a thing at all i'm i'm totally just like you know we're not we're not movie critics we don't know but yeah just it kind of gave me that same thing yeah and it definitely felt a little colonialism me as they like mm-hmm. as london goes and attacks the great
0: wall <laughs> <laughs> right
1: what is ostensibly a great wall
0: <laughs> but you know it's okay you know making fun of the british is still punching up so.
1: It's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. They owned a quarter of the world for you know however long. It's it's a fine. Uh,
0: couple other tropey things thrown in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a, I'll I'll give you the signal. What's the signal? Oh, you'll know.
1: I love that trope. <laughs> I don't care. Really? I love that trope so much. Like it's
0: so cheesy. Because
1: every like often, I feel like that is one thing that maybe it's just hard to not hit the mark with that. But I feel like that's something that just lands. Extremely often because they did the same thing in Ted Lasso when they're like, How will I know? You'll know. Mm-hmm. And then they all like flick him off, like four <laughs> right. people in a row, just giving him the finger. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, at
0: least that was obvious. Yeah. This yeah. was obvious too. I guess it was just the ship coming in and shooting.
1: It literally came in guns blazing.
0: Yeah. A sad trope. Everyone dies to help the main character at the end. Yeah. They just all sacrifice themselves a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was also to, you know, save Shanguo. Yeah, just to save their people. All of
1: all of the people's so there's that. Right. It was, you know, for the greater good. Uh
0: and then uh the part where Hester faces off against Valentine. Mm-hmm. She's holding the gun. Just shoot him. I know. Just shoot him. I don't let him monologue uh, you into being distracted. I,
1: I got I got sort of annoyed with that too. Even though like I knew it was gonna turn out okay. I'm yeah. like, oh you should have just should have done it just should have sh- like pulled the trigger and i've seen that happen in other things and it makes me happy every time
0: <laughs> yeah there needs to be how it should have ended that's just the scene where he starts monologuing and she shoots him in the face yep. like okay done. end of movie done uh yeah um it would have been interesting to have an episode just among the rich people mm-hmm. as they're cheering all of the ke- the kills it's not
1: just the rich people though like it's kind of like a whole like city wide thing hmm. Because again, municipal Darwinism, it's almost like, it's almost like the religion of the people without it actually being a religion. Interesting. Yeah. Like hmm. not, I mean, actually funny enough, they do actually have multiple other gods, but like municipal Darwinism is sort of seen as like, this is the right and moral way to live. Like living any other way is just wrong.
0: Uh, Anything else from your notes?
1: So I do have a favorite part from the film. Okay. Um, so basically it's while Valentine is like walking and that I forget his name. Um, Mal- Maliphant. He's like the third level. Uh, what do you call it? Like initiate or apprentice. Oh yeah. The guy who was like kind of bullying our main oh. character, Tom.
0: Oh, in the beginning, the guy who oversaw who like saw through the window yeah, Tom opening the guy. cache of old tech. He yeah. just happened to be there sure. and see him opening the thing while he's talking to someone oh, else. yeah. He's,
1: he's definitely a snake, but like, so I really love where he meets up with Valentine. I don't know, like midway through the film or something. And he says, your daughter's a good friend of mine. And Valentine's just like, no, she's not <laughs> 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 like, that's such a good and super brief way to like kind of turn that trope on its head the trope of just like Mm -hmm. i totally don't think he's coming from like a way of like my daughter's not allowed to have male friends but just like i would have heard about you
0: right?
1: (laughs) and just like its face it just falls
0: (laughs) he's trying to be like i'm the cool like quarterback of the football team jock guy that everybody likes and he's like nah you're not it
1: yeah he's like no no and yeah, so that honestly, like that part gave me joy. I really, really
0: liked that part. That was pretty good. Yeah.
1: And like I said, like the world building it is extremely cool. Like I, I do actually wish that more uh, movies and books and stuff had world building this good. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are kind of like my high points. I'll be honest. And again, maybe, maybe having seen the book kind of ruined things for me in a way or seen the book, having read the book, <laughs> I, wasn't I saw the point
0: <laughs> Um, I saw the book too, (laughs) but I didn't (laughs) read it.
1: Like, I don't know, maybe it ruined it for me or maybe it made it better. I honestly don't know. Cause then once it's in your head, like you can't separate it or at least I can't.
0: Yeah, man, this is going to be an interesting one to like sum up here. Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about some of my favorite, least favorite things. My favorite part is the opening sequence. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. Yeah. It's great. Uh It pulls you into the world. Uh, and I think, besides that, I like the idea of this story that we've built in our heads based on the book and the movie, mm-hmm. and this fictional uh, ten episode series that maybe they'll make a sequel to, and have I don't a season two.
1: Think what? Well, <laughs> 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 yeah, make a sequel to the series that does not exist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the writers would have to have to like retcon some stuff to be able sure. to continue the story.
1: Look, look Shrike
0: comes back. You know like shrike makes a return for season two i could see that yeah that would be a thing
1: although i have to say they're redoing the lord of the rings again when we do not need a new lord of the rings like the one that came out you know 15 years ago is great but they're doing it so you know who's to say they couldn't do Wait, what they're
0: doing in the movies again yeah did you... you
1: not know this no oh honey okay
0: we're gonna have to have like a side conversation about this i knew about the 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 like tv series on amazon oh that's no, honey. The, the prequel
1: yeah oh
0: okay all yeah. right well different conversation <laughs> okay uh people tweet at us at steam powered pod uh talk to us about the lord of the rings remake give us all of your thoughts and takes
1: also about this movie too i guess or the book or whatever yeah sorry for spoiling all of these details
0: <laughs> well um Hope you enjoyed listening anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this whole episode has been a roller coaster.
0: For real. Feeling
1: very passionate.
0: Uh, well, every good roller coaster comes to an end, and we end this one oh, with. Oh,
1: look at you. That's such a good segue.
0: Rating, rating <laughs> the films that we watch. First, we rate it based on how steampunk it is on a scale of one to five steam engines, Dana. How steampunk do you think this movie is?
1: I okay, here's the thing I'm gonna give it, we're gonna get really granular here.
0: Oh, right, yeah, push your glasses up and give it a rating.
1: Okay, so (laughs) we're gonna give it, I'm giving it 4.75.
0: What, no, yes. Uh,
1: okay and let me tell you why okay. i'm gonna just my answer so obviously we had all the steam technology in the beginning that great opening scene like the right. basically the city that folded away like that's all extremely cool
0: yeah however
1: great. i'm docking it 0.25 steam engines because the fashions i don't really know what was going on fashion follows reason it follows um trends and the fashion in the film was just all over the place. So I'm here at the last moment, I'm docking it just a little bit because that was a mess. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. I think that that's bogus. You doing 0. 0.75 okay. points.
1: I don't know what you want. Like give it okay, then then give I, it five. I think or four. Whatever. I think
0: four is a good landing place Fine. for it. Four. I'll make my case for that. The opening and all the stuff based on the steam power is great. I think I give actually the fashion a pass because they're not going for Victorian. This is like a reset of the timeline far in the future. So this is like a new Victorian era.
1: I disagree with your th- reasoning on this, but we don't have the time. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so I think that's fine. They do their own thing and maybe it's a mishmash. Where I dock it, though, the one point is that, well, one, it's not like traditional steampunk. That would be mm-hmm. the most steampunk if it was set in Victorian. Mm-hmm. Is that there's not as much gadgetry you know there's not like a lot of handheld steampunk gadgetry it's all big scale giant engines that power the cities Mm -hmm. but you know their flying machines are kind of more different air powered the guns are like a whole different era maybe more futuristic even Mm -hmm. so I i think it's not quite as steampunk as it could be but like super solid I think four steam engines. Okay.
1: I can, I can agree with four based on the gadgetry and sort of the, the mishmash that it was fine. That's fine.
0: Cool. So we've settled on that. And then we also will rate this film based on not how perfectly made it is or how many Oscars it deserves, but how much we enjoyed watching it this time
1: oscars are bogus you can quote me on that
0: (laughs) okay but anyway more strong hot takes from dana on this one fight me so dana on a scale of one to five gears how much did you enjoy watching mortal engines today
1: oh this is so hard because again i feel like having read the book was both kind of a a blessing and a curse but as far as just enjoying the film Mm -hmm. i actually like i said i enjoyed it more this time um but i think that's because i had a lot deeper context for it so actually Watching this film this time, and because I enjoyed it way more than the book, I'm I'm gonna give it four. Yeah, yeah. So four gears for me.
0: Four gears. Uh, I I have to
1: say, if you have not read the book, I don't know that you're gonna enjoy it as much because, gosh, there's a lot of stuff that like you just unless you're paying extremely close attention, you're probably not gonna get. Yeah. So, but having read the book now, I've raised my score and I'm giving it four.
0: Okay, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I will. Give it a rating of one to five top hats. Mm -hmm. And I'm struggling on this one. Yeah? Because I think I, like, had a pretty good time watching it. Oh, good. And... Was that the alcohol? I don't know. Maybe (laughs) so. That might factor into these ratings from time to time. Uh, But I did enjoy it. Probably partially because I'd seen it before and I knew a little bit of what to expect. But I didn't honestly remember a lot of the details. Mm Mm-hmm. But, so I knew kind of what was coming. My expectations were kind of low as far as the story being super satisfying. I'm going to say three and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go half. I think that's fair. Three and a half top hats. Mm-hmm. I can't quite give it four. It's got to be pretty dang good for me to give it a four. Okay. Five is perfect, which sure. is going to be really hard. To... I mean,
1: like Howl's Moving Castle, I think, got five from us.
0: Yeah, that was a five. Yeah. So uh, this one did a... Rough approximation of the premise of Hal's Moving Castle.
1: <laughs> I didn't actually think about that, but you're right. <laughs>
0: this was uh, Shrike's lumbering city. Oh, my. And uh, I'll give it three and a half top hats. E- edging towards four, but three and a half is probably where it should be. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Mm-hmm. That's our opinions. That's our thoughts. Let us know your thoughts and opinions tweet at us at steampoweredpod go to steampoweredmovies.com for more information and details about all the episodes that we have available on all the steampunk movies we've watched so far and will watch in the future Uh, Dana any last thoughts or final word?
1: Mike how will I know when it's time to stop talking on the podcast?
0: Oh Dana, you'll know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for more. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>